As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> like, Welcome yeah. to episode number six of the Critic, the Geek, and the Girl. That's right. We've already begun. I never uh, know when we're live. Wow. <laughs> it's part of the fun. You I know, just, it's glue just part my of the fun. Eyes. I gotta glue my eyes to that corner. That's right. Just look for that live button. Uh, we're gonna be talking Star Wars Seven stuff today. We're gonna be talking uh, the new TV show Resurrection, and we're gonna be talking Muppets Most Wanted, as long as some other topical stuff. And uh, but before we do anything, of course, the theme song. Danae, take it oh, away. Right, that's me. That's my turn. All right. Episode number six of the Critic, the Geek, and the Girl. What is going on? Whoa, whoa. whoa! Where am I? Who's we're like back in that? time. That was exciting. I my <laughs> <laughs> we have a super fan. We, we must be on delay. That was that was really interesting. I wonder what it was. <laughs> okay. All right, Danae, I think it's time for the theme song now. All right, I got it. I got it. Wait, what happened? Wait, where am I? Oh. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe it's Monday. <laughs> the critic. He's legit the geek. His brain won't quit the girl. She's the perfect fit. It's the critic, the geek, and the girl. Yes, it is the critic, the geek, and the girl. Very excited. We're going to kick things off this week with a new segment we're going to start off with called Highlight of the Week. This was Danae's idea. She wants this to be a little more personal. Yeah, it's so a So, Danae, thing. because it's your idea, what was the highlight of your week? Um, I had an experience of my... Uh, dog Madeline, a St. Bernard. She's nine years old. I had to take her to the vet, and she had to have a dental cleaning, which apparently requires like tons of medication, and then getting knocked out and in surgery, and she had teeth pulled. It was terrible. Your, but, your dog had like to have like extractions. Yeah, apparently I haven't done a good job of brushing their teeth because I've never brushed their teeth before. So I don't know if that's something you're supposed to do as a dog owner. I just Anyway, yeah. that happened. I also learned that um, she had, my dog has, three roots per tooth. Oh. So it was like a really complicated thing. And I'm wondering if she's special because she also has what's called a double dew claw. Have you heard of that? <laughs> nope. So it's basically like a little extra foot. It's like an extra foot growing off of her paw. 
What? And, yeah, she's got like extra toes and an extra pad on her on her leg. It, it's called a double dew claw, right? And, and you're uh, just now noticing this? No, no, I've known that since I got her. Because whenever I got her, I took when I took her to the vet for the first time, I was like, um, kind of looks like she's got an extra foot. Is this normal? <laughs> <laughs> and it apparently is from people who breed like two inbreed dogs, maybe. Cause uh... she, you know, um, but hers actually is such a in such a fashion. It has its own bloodline, and they sometimes they like take them off. But it has its own blood supply and its own extra. It's like an extra foot. It's really interesting. So she's wow. got an extra foot and extra roots in her teeth. So I mean, my dog is special. She's wow. just overperforming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's great. Amazing. Anyways, that's mine. What about you, Captain Logan? What's the highlight of your week? Well, I don't have anything as interesting as mutant dog. Wow. <laughs> Uh, my, I honestly, I, I've only been doing one thing, or I ha- had only been doing one thing all of last week. Like, I, I, I haven't been getting spawn years out, because all I've been doing is RoboCop. Like, like nice, the week, original. Last week was analyzing RoboCop. Um, man, it, my third longest review. Well, third longest rewind, written, written review. Forty-three minute analysis of RoboCop. And uh, I'm not I'm not saying this just uh, as a shameless promotion. Really, that's all I that's all I've been doing. Wow. But I finally got it done. So my highlight was finishing it, and uh, and it and it turned out pretty well. So I'm 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 really I'm really happy with it. But yeah, that's all I've been doing is Robocop. So finally, so basically right now I'm detoxing, trying to get Robocop off the brain and get my <laughs> get my life back together. Because uh, because really like that's all I've been doing. So what about you, Aaron? Uh, my highlight of the week. I- was wondering what I would see when I came home with my kids on spring break, you know? It's just like when they're at home and my wife and I are at work, you just never know what you're going to, you know, drive home into the driveway or walk in, you know, in the uh, kitchen because they just, you know, I don't know if they just think it's like some sort of anarchist apocalypse when it's spring break and they can just be whoever they want to be, but they're always doing something crazy. Uh, I think my favorite was one day I drove home and there was a bowl of cereal in the driveway. Just sitting in the driveway, full <laughs> bowl of cereal with a spoon, just ready to be eaten. No kids anywhere, just a bowl <laughs> of cereal in a ceramic bowl, you know. Because if you're going to eat in the driveway, please use the nice china, you know. It's just, that's that's life with my children. So, Aaron, going, back, of the week. going back to a conversation we had uh, last time or a, couple, or a couple episodes ago, three words for you, wrath of dad. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I got to get that look down. Got to get the voice. Get the dad voice. Bring it out. All right. As always, the Q&A is up and available. That means you can ask questions at any point during this if you're at the uh, Google Hangout uh, portion of viewing this. If you're viewing it on YouTube, you can leave comments. We won't be able to see those until later, I believe. Uh, but if you want to ask us questions, then you can click on the link for Q&A and do that. We will answer uh, as many of those as we can at the end of this. But first, let's get into our first topic, which is, of course, Star Wars 7. Lots of stuff coming up. Uh, coming out recently about Star Wars 7. They just announced they're going to start shooting it very soon. The, you know, the filming has been set. Um, the casting is starting to kind of uh, get around a few rumors. And, of course, you know, like the uh, 30 years after they announced it's going to be 30 years after Return of the Jedi, which I think is a huge announcement. Having said all of that, how are your feelings right here at this moment in time about the next uh, entry into a universe far, far, a galaxy far, far away? What do you think, Cap? 
Um, <clears throat> I've been excited about this since it was first announced just because um, I've been ready for more Star Wars for a long time. It seems like a universe that there's no reason not to keep playing in. And um, <clears throat> be it, you know, doing a, doing another trilogy, be it or, or uh, doing doing other kinds of movies, whatever they wanted to do. I was always excited to, um, to, to see more, but to get, you know, obviously past the prequel stuff. And um, a, a lot of it for me is just give me some good movies to get the taste of those out of my mouth. And so, um, and so now, uh, <clears throat> seeing Abrams do this, uh, it, whenever I saw the first Star Trek movie, I said, "Well, this is the guy to make Star Wars." And then, lo and behold, he got it. So, I mean, I, I've been stoked for this for two big reasons: a, the guy that I thought should be directing Star Wars is directing Star Wars, and b, he's probably not going to be directing any more Star Trek. So, I mean, it's a win-win for me. <laughs> do you not want any more Star Treks? Uh, I don't want any more J.J. Abrams directed Star Treks. Um, oh. <clears throat> although, although that's not fair, because the because as long as they stay because they're awesome, that's why. Uh, uh, as 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 long as they're 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 fun, they're not they're not really Star Trek. If, if <laughs> um, they stay in, um, I'm not gonna get into that. But if they if, if they stay with uh with that continuity and they and and they they keep the the writers that they that they've got, um, it, it's it's gonna be the same kind of thing anyway. Um, it's not really. The stuff I don't like about those movies is not ex is not entirely Abrams' fault. I just got sick of all the wars homages, honestly, uh, because we don't need to be doing that in Star Trek. They're di you know you know they're 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 different things. We blurred the lines too much between these two things. And so anyway, seeing him finally do Star Wars, I think we're gonna see him have the the reverence for that property that he didn't really have for Star Trek. Um, and so anyway, uh, so so, I, so I've been I've been stoked about that, and um, that's about that's about it for me. I, I'm glad that they're uh, keeping it as hush hush as they are. Uh, when hey, here's the timeline they're setting it in is like the biggest news we can come up with. It's really nice that they're not telling us too much yet. So um, I kind of I kind of hope they keep things pretty under wraps all the way up until just before it comes out. Um, I don't want four minute trailers eight months before that movie comes out. Yeah, yeah, I'm I the hard thing with a movie like that is I don't want to see that stuff, but if it comes out, I'm going to. There's no avoiding it, you know? Yeah, precisely. It's, especially with what I do. I mean, it's just there's no avoiding it. So, um so we'll have to put up with that. Uh Danae, any thoughts on Star Wars 7, the next Star Wars movie? What's your what's your background with uh, the War of the Stars? Uh, well, long, long ago. <laughs> in a house far, far away. I once saw Star Wars and I was like, that is awesome. And then I saw the new Star Wars and I was not excited about that. There was a few things I liked about them, but... So I'm really apprehensive, honestly. I like J.J. Abrams and what he did, although I have to say I think Abrams is my first like director that... Maybe like, is it Nolan? Yeah, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, there's there's a, just a couple directors that can really be like, oh yeah, I kind of know their thumbprint on a movie. So uh, and J.J. Abrams is one of them, and I've liked the movies that I've seen that he's done. And so this is the really the critical thinking that I'm getting into now is kind of going, oh, I can maybe expect this from him, but I don't usually try to think like that too much. I just go in and experience it when it happens. And you so I'm a little I'm a little nervous though about it to to be honest. Yeah. And and many people are, and I think rightfully so, when you love something that much. Um, I, the other thing we haven't mentioned yet that I think is worth mentioning is we're going into this trilogy without George Lucas for the first time, you know, which that's a huge deal. You know, George Lucas kind of handed this all over. You know, I'm sure 
he'll be um, you know sought out for advisement or you know those kind of things. But he doesn't have any kind of creative control at this point. That's I mean I think that's a big deal, don't you? Uh, I'm going to say yeah, sure. That's a big deal. That's ultimately the reason I'm most excited about it, honestly. Uh, it's time to see some new blood on that. Uh, I mean, like, the, the, the original... Fa and, like, and like yeah, he should have input, obviously, certainly, but, like, the, the, the original um, movies were a lot more collaborative than the prequels were, and I've also read some of the comics uh, that <clears throat> have adapted his original um, script for the, for, for the original um, Star Wars, and uh, but before... Other people got a hold of it and and um, made it watchable, and it's amazing how just how much of what doesn't work in the prequels is in that original script. Uh, like like it it needs it needs to be collaborative. We need more people's eyes on it because George Lucas is George Lucas was a visionary filmmaking wise, but he's not a great storyteller. Yeah, I think that's exactly the right way to say that about him. And so I'm pumped. I'm really excited. I think J.J. Abrams was a perfect choice. I'm like you, Cap. He was the one that first popped to mind when you know they said, "Hey, we're going to do seven, eight, and nine. I was like, "You got to get J.J. Abrams." Um, there's going to be three. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's going to be more than three. They're going to do. Listen, they're going to do seven, eight, and nine as far as the like the the major timeline. But they're also going to be releasing standalone Star Wars movies about certain characters in the universe, or maybe even. Completely different than anything we've ever seen in that universe. Do you think it's gonna work though? Like, do you think that's gonna like in my brain? And this is this is in Diné universe, which I know that I'm likely not the norm. Like, I'm far more familiar with other storylines than I am Star Wars. Maybe that's what will make it work though. Is that it's a, a universe I haven't really explored too much. Well, Star Wars so far has always been trilogies. I mean, like, like uh, it, yeah. Lucas, Lucas famously always talked about how, and there, there's a there's a lot of it, it's really up in the air as to how true this 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 ever really was. But Lucas, um, uh, over the years has talked about how he always envisioned it as three trilogies, and um, at least at least after they wrote the the, the first movie, and uh, where he wanted to do a trilogy setting up uh, Anakin Skywalker, but then he wanted to do one um, set farther in the future after. The events of six, and so, um, so yeah. I mean, if you're gonna do episode seven, you 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 you, you kind of obligatorily have to do eight and nine. Well, that's uh, interesting then, and that's actually exciting. Then makes it a little bit more exciting to me too to have somebody whose original vision for a complete story to kind of come to fruition. So that that makes more sense to me rather than it. I don't know. I don't know that I understand the little one-offs, except for that if if it's really popular and you really want to capture moments, you need to plan on doing that so that. You have your actors and actresses that are working well. It's it's similar it's similar to the Pixar theory that they just announced that they were doing, which is they'll have an original property every other um, I would, maybe they said every year I can't remember, and then a sequel every year and a half. Hmm. So so in other words, they'll have stuff from an existing universe every once in a while to kind of pull that money from you know sequelizing and also still create original properties. I think the one-offs are supposed to be original star you know Star Wars properties that can create a new character or a new universe or a, you know not a new universe but you know a new look into that universe. Well, at least at least at first it's going to be more just fleshing out characters we've got already. They're doing a Boba Fett one, and um, I think I think they've I forget if they've said they're doing a Yoda one, um, but I mean like. <clears throat> We know for sure they're doing Boba Fett. I, I, I liken it, um, and, and I think this is almost exactly the same model um, as Avengers and Marvel. Uh, keep in mind that Disney owns both, 
and uh, and uh, Disney is looking at the Avengers model and how well that's working. So they've got these these uh, superhero films every year, and then every couple three years they're putting out an Avengers movie, putting putting them all together. This is kind of like that backwards, but the the way the way they're 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 kind of. Um, Envisioning this is okay. We've got this huge, giant, expansive universe. Why not capitalize it? Why not look at different characters and, frankly, do some character studies? Uh, do some, do some single, one-off. Let's focus on just this guy instead of a huge ensemble cast. Then I imagine, um, and I mean, like, I'm not saying this is a good idea, but like, imagine if Lord of the Rings as a universe wasn't the sort of thing that was considered. Okay, you have these books, and that's all you can do. Imagine if 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 it was envisioned first as a movie series. You could take a lot of those different characters and do single stories about them. Uh, there's there's really there's really no reason with Star Wars not to uh, run off. You know, you know, j- just like with Star Trek, you don't have to just make movies about Captain Kirk. Um, you can you can go into the future. You can go farther. You can you can do other ships. You know you can do all these different things. Um, we've never had that treatment on screen with Star Wars, but we have certainly in the um, in the expanded universe. And I think I got to say this real quick too. I think that a lot of this also is is an attempt to satiate Star Wars fans because they're decanoticizing the the expanded universe. And what and what what that means is there's all there's all these there's all these books and video games and other things that have in comics especially that have always been considered canon for Star Wars. It's one of the big differences between Star Trek and Star Wars is that Star Trek the canon is just what's on screen. In Star Wars, it's everything except not anymore because now that Disney has bought it, they have decanonicized everything except for what's on screen. And that means that uh, there's a lot of Star Wars fans who some of their favorite characters are no longer considered official. And uh, so so uh, this is part, partly a way to satiate those people to keep us in that universe because they're, they're only going to get they're going to get a movie every year now, but nothing else counts. So yeah, no, I think I think all that is is valid. I think the the Marvel Avengers uh, explanation, that's a great way to look at it. Um, I think, what do we think about, let's move here, what do we think about Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, the rumors that they're coming back is, you know, I mean, again, the original was 30 years ago, and here this is supposed to be 30 years after, you know, this, I mean, give or take. So, you know, the age works, but what do you feel about them being on screen? Will that be more distracting, or could it be amazing? I think it's going to be good. I do. I I think if you have the the original cast still wanting to participate in a story that they uh, helped bring to life 30 years ago, don't hesitate to do it because it's not like you can wait another 30 years and then bring those cast members back because they're not going to be able to to really encapsulate, you know, encapsulate it. So I'm, I'm very excited about that particular part as long as it's tastefully done. What about you, Cap? I think they're being incredibly silly, not just straight out coming out and saying, yes, they're definitely all three going to be in the movie, because it's obvious. I, I, like, 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 just just coming out and saying uh, the movie's set 30 years after, that makes it really blatantly apparent. You know, they've got to have the, the, the years behind them so that, uh, so that those ages are going to make sense. And also, uh, you look at interviews with Carrie Fisher right now, she looks better than she's looked in 20 years. Uh, she's clearly been working out. Yeah, and, she's been uh, seen in Hollywood shopping for special outfits, the slave outfit. She's picked up her outfit already. She, yeah. she, uh, she looks fantastic right now. Clearly, she's been, she's been gearing up for that shopping. movie. Yeah. Um, 
we know we know that that's happening. So uh, I wish that they would. This is the same thing as as with like Star Trek Into Darkness, where they were trying to um, make us not know that it was that that Icon was the villain, kind of by just blatantly lying and saying, no, no, it's it's not it's not Icon, and then it was. Um, don't don't do that with this. Like, but, but it's different. But it's different. I'm gonna call you on this, Cap. I'm gonna call you on this a little bit because you know you just said you you hope that they you know. Do hold things back and don't, you know, give us everything that that we, you know, need to see. And they aren't lying about it. They aren't doing the con thing where they're saying, you know, hey, they're not in it. They're just saying, look, if people find out, they find out. But we're not going to broadcast that information. We want to keep this stuff, you know, to ourselves until we're ready to, you know, to talk about it. So I don't think they're doing anything wrong. I think we just because, you know, we already know. Maybe there's an element of well, they should just go ahead and say it because everybody already knows. But at the same time, if I'm if you know I'm J.J. Abrams and I'm making the film, I'm like you know, I'll I'll announce things when I'm ready to announce them. You know. If you're J.J. Abrams, can I borrow some money? <laughs> then, why are, then why are they telling us it's 30 years after? They pretty much already come out and told us that. Like that's a that, that's a pretty convenient year, don't you think? Like 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 number of years, don't you think? They they've pretty much already come out and told us that. Um, no, you're right. They're not lying yet. Not and and, and on this they probably won't. I'm just saying like uh like there there's Carrie Fisher has has already pretty much um, like like uh, like leaked it. Um, I don't I don't know why they don't just acknowledge. Yeah, okay, they're going to be in it. Like like I, I, the thing is, I don't think that's news. I think I think that was apparent from the very beginning that that, that, that they were going to go that way. I don't I don't think it's news. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, more specific casting news because someone did uh, ask the question. You know what? I'll go ahead and select that question since since we're going to talk about it. Um, oh, she's so cute. Look at her. She had dental work. <laughs> uh, this is a cl- uh, question from Jess, who uh, says, so Michael B. Jordan might be in the new trilogy. What do you think of this actor? What do you think of Michael B. Jordan possibly being in 7, 8, and 9? Uh, well, there's, that is. there's tons. That? Uh, he, was, he was in Chronicle. That's the only thing I know him from. Uh, also, Fruit, also Fruitvale Station, which is an incredible movie. I don't know this guy. There's there's a lot there's a whole bunch of casting rumors. I mean, we could talk about all kinds of people. Lupita uh, is rumored. Jordan uh, is is a, is a good actor. I like him. Um, who who knows what role they put him in? So yeah, I'm not gonna have any opinions on any actors until I know who, what the roles are really. Um, I I do think it's. I'll go good. one step further, Cap. I'll go one step further. I'm not gonna have any opinions on actors till I see them in the movie. That's my thing. You know, I mean, I can yeah. say they're good at what they do, but until you see them in the role they've been given, you can't really make that judgment call. No, you're right, but but I'm not talking about a judgment call as much as I'm talking about just, like, I am I do get excited when I hear about certain actors I really like being in certain projects. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, like, uh, like, like if Gary Oldman ends up being in this, yeah, I'm going to be stoked for that. Oldman's great in everything he's in, you know? So, I mean, like, like uh, yeah, I won't have a judgment call, Aaron, but I am going to be like, yeah, that's great. I love Gary Oldman. You know what I mean? But 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 as far as Michael B. Jordan goes, um, I I don't know enough of his work to, to even get a good sense of where he he'd go. Or the Oldman, I could kind of guess a couple of things. You know what I mean? Like like I could sort of guess the sort of archetype you might put that guy in. Right. Um, right. It, that's a fair point. Thing. I, I it's exactly the same thing as um as like Liam Neeson. 
when they did that. You know, of course everybody was excited about Liam Neeson being in Star Wars. He's Liam Neeson. Um, so, and, and also it'll be really funny because, like, uh, more and more the cast of Batman Begins gets into Star Wars movies. Um, yeah, uh, we were walking by um, on our way to uh, see a movie. We were walking by the nonstop poster, and Liam Neeson, of course, is on there. And my son, who's 15, says, I know that guy from somewhere. And I said, well, you may know him as Qui-Gon Jinn. He was like, yeah, that's Qui-Gon. And then we immediately started talking about the lightsaber battle between Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and how incredible it was. And one of my one of my only highlights from the Phantom Menace is that lightsaber battle. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. That was rad. That was so good. Um, o- Oldman went on record to say that uh, if he gets in Star Wars, it'll be absolutely insane because of just the sheer amount of iconic... Uh, kind of geeky properties he's gotten to be in. Um, he's ki- he's kind of losing his mind over maybe being in Star Wars when he's also been in Batman and Harry Potter. You know what I mean? Like the like the list goes on and on and on. And don't forget the Fifth Element. Oh, that's, I love that movie. That's a great movie. All right, uh, just my quick opinion on Michael B. Jordan. Love him. Would love to see him in it just to see what he does. He's he's an incredible actor. Same goes for you know Lupita who just won an Oscar. She's been rumored, you know, to possibly be taking a role. And all that stuff, again, I say exactly what Cap says. Until it, until it happens, you kind of, you know, until it's announced, you kind of can't necessarily know what's going to happen until you see it. You certainly, certainly won't know if it's, if it's any good. Um, so here's the question. Based on the Star Wars stuff, how do your expectations for a movie like Star Wars 7 impact your viewing experience? Or do they at all? Danae, let's start with you. How do your expectations impact when you see something? Oh, this is this is going to take me back to a very specific movie. Do it. But I had I had expectations because I had read Lord of the Rings, and there is a very particular moment in Two Towers where Wormtongue is uh, thrown off of a tower, and in that moment, I knew that they weren't going to complete the full story of Lord of the Rings, and they weren't going to return back to the Shire and have that battle where you know, the rest of that that storyline comes to fruition. If you've read the book, you know that there's yes. there's more storyline with Wormtongue in the Shire after the events. Mm-hmm. And I think because I had really loved that development, that part of the storyline, the movie just immediately felt like a betrayal. And I, I gripped my seat. My cousin was with me and she took my hand she's like Danae don't get up and leave because I just I didn't know if I could watch the rest of it because I was really looking forward to the fullness of it and there had been rumors about Wormtongue being killed in two towers and anyways um, so the enjoyment of the movie for me immediately shifted to where it was more of a okay I'm watching this because um, I really love seeing these characters alive on film and I really love the care but it took me quite a while to kind of go into it and, and read more about why they had changed the storyline and learn more about movie making and why those decisions are made and things like that so in this particular category of Star Wars I have zero expectations I haven't read any of the books I haven't really immersed myself in that story or really anything that's come out of anything other than just the movies that you know I think maybe the general public has seen so I think I'm going to be okay for the most part on on that on that one. Well, let me shift let me shift your thinking here on this just for a second. So, as you're watching Lord of the Rings, we know what happens when you see that moment. But how did your expectations of knowing the rumors, different things like that, as you're watching it, did you feel like you were paying more attention? Do you feel like you were more tuned into, oh, they're going to mess up my book? 
Like, you know, did it impact the way you watched the movie, not just by what happened on screen, but even before you saw a single frame? Um, yeah, I would say definitely. I can I can remember going in going, you know, please, please don't kill Wormtongue, or please, please let this develop. You know, like, I really was hoping that it was going to turn out differently. And uh, so, yeah, I would say that I, I was definitely affected by it. Cap, what do you have to add? How do expectations affect you when you're watching something or preparing for something? Well, you know, obviously it depends on just how invested you are in the property like Danae was talking about. I think it, I think it is important to uh, dis- to make a distinction between adaptation and just a property you know really well. With Star Wars, we're not talking about anything that's going to be adapted uh, because Star Wars is is, uh, is always filmed first. So um, when you're talking about books and stuff, they're not adapting any books. I mean, they, they might borrow a little bit from, from the expanded universe here and there, but it's not going to be one of those things where, where you know a story already and then you're waiting to see it realized. It's just, I wondered about that. That's good. Yeah, it, you know, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's more just a matter of 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 you as a fan of something. I almost said I, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but let's let's say I was a big giant Star Wars fan, um, and uh, and I and I go into the new Star Wars and I have my thoughts of um, I have my opinions of what Star Wars is supposed to be based on what it has been in the past for me, and then somebody else gets their um gets gets their directory little fingers on it and they and they do it their way. Um, uh, yeah, certainly you're going to have your expectations because you're going to have you know in a in a perfect world if I had my druthers. This is how I would make this. Um, it's it's impossible for that not to affect me with something like Star Trek, especially because it's gone in such a dramatically action-driven direction, and it's it's not um, it's not the idea-driven thing it used to be. Having said that, here's what's really interesting, and, and I'm going back to Star Trek for, really, for a really particular reason. Um, I, I have this really weird thing sometimes where um, I think I have the opposite reaction that Danae does to, to, to things that I love a lot. Um, I'll put I, I get blinders on sometimes. Like I have expectations of it's more I think of it's my favorite thing in the world, so it must be good. I think I have more of that. So I'll go into um, one of the new Star Trek movies and I will love it the first time and then like it less as I think about it. Like my, my first my, my first review of Star Trek into Darkness was a was 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 raving. And then I watched it with Sarah, who who didn't like it. And then she and then uh, and then and then she and I had had conversations about it, and then she broke down all the ways in in, in which it doesn't make any sense, and then it hurt my feelings because I because I, I loved the experience the first time, <laughs> but it's but it's not anything like as, as as good as I thought it was. So I get more of like a blinder sort of thing, you know, like I'll I'll go into a Batman or a Spider-Man or something, and um it takes me a while to to really think about it and be able to make my because the thing is I'm analyzing all the time. I'm such an analysis guy. But for some reason, that whole part of my brain either shuts down or just doesn't work properly when it's something I'm so excited about, you know. And so it just it takes me time to really think about it and, and to get objective or, or objective is not even the right word, just to get critical of it again. Uh, Aaron, do you have that? I I resonate with that deeply. Uh, when the Star Wars prequels came out, I like uh, came out. I liked them a lot more than I, I do now. Episode one when it first came out. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, I was just rereading my review uh, uh, my reviews of Spider Man two and Spider Man three, and I was just raving about those movies. And I watched them recently with my boys, and I'm like, that's not really that great of a movie. That's kind of ridiculous. But you know, in my review, I'm talking about how Sam Raimi is a genius and how his perspective on you know making things a little goofier really you know lightened the you know the comic book universe. And I, I mean, you know, it's just because I wanted it to be good. And I remember the feeling in the theater. I felt so good watching it 
but I think it was because I was just invested. I was invested in it being good, and so I wanted it to be good. So yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I actually have a tendency to latch on too much to uh, concept sometimes over execution, uh, where where uh, where an idea will grab me and I'll be like, "That's brilliant," and then it'll take me some time to really think about it before I realize, you know, they never really fully realized that idea. It was just an idea. It was just there, but it, but, you know. So, um, so anyway, I that's I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but that that's that's a thing. Yeah, and, and I think we're all like that to a certain degree in that um, we see things and miss other things. And then yeah. some people will see the things that we miss or miss the things that we see. And it's only through kind of community, I think, that we can start to really see a bigger picture of a lot of these things. And we talked earlier about you watching a movie a couple times. That's another thing, you know, that, that helps out with that. But, you know, we're, we're limited perspective beings. You know, we only have a certain number of thoughts we can have per second. And, you know, there's a lot going on. So it makes a lot of sense to me that, that we would miss some stuff and then have that filled in by other people. Um, I think the trick is in, in being a human, not just about movies, but about, you know, truth in general, is to be able to um, admit your biases. Number one, admit where you come from has an impact on how you see things but also then be willing to see where someone else is coming from and then incorporate that into your value system as, okay, how does this match up with what I believe? Is it, you know, do I agree with this? Do I agree this made the movie worse? Do I agree this made the movie better? And if you do, to be willing to go, you know what, I missed that the first time. You know, that's, that's life to me. That's how you, you know, that's how you see things. That's how you embrace perspective is to be able to change and be able to, you know, um, search for truth, even if it, it isn't exactly what you thought it was the first time you encountered it. Yeah. That will preach. That will preach. <laughs> yeah, um, Aaron, that was that, that was that was very well said. Um, Bravo. I have I have so many uh, reviews when I first see a movie, and Aaron, I'm sure you've had this. Uh, where where um, I'll have I'll have viewers that will uh, that will kind of uh, call me on stuff. Where three four months later, I say something about a movie, and they're like they're like I'll I'll. Uh, I'll I'll like criticize something in a movie that I gave like a really rave review when it first came out, and then people will be like, "Well, well, well, well Cap, you're being hypocritical because you you said you loved this, but then not." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you you can't stick to your guns necessarily because on on, on something like this because it's so subjective." Uh, the 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 uh, my gut reaction because I come back and review a movie an hour after I saw it, half an hour after I saw it. Um, once I've gotten some time and some perspective, my, my opinion might have changed, you know? And uh, you have to allow that to happen. Um, you can't be stubborn enough to say, no, I still love this, even though now I understand it better, or I, or I still really hate this, even though now I understand it better. Uh, both, of the, both of those things are true. Um, I know I've referenced this movie before, but um, I had to see Fight Club twice. Hated that movie the first time I saw it. Watched it again the next day, and it blew me away with how brilliant it was. I didn't understand it the first time. And once I got it, it turned into one of my favorite movies of all time. So um, you, you have to allow that to happen. Uh, and, and those of us that, that, that consider ourselves reviewers or critics, we are still human beings. We are still susceptible to all of the same stuff. That We're just a normal viewer until we start writing. Um, and even then we're still a normal viewer, just with an opinion, and we're writing. Good point. I, uh, th that is one of the reasons I update my best movies of all time list every single year. At the end of every year, I go through my favorite movies of all time, add ones from this, you know, this current year that I think deserve to be in that pantheon. Uh, others fall, some rise. You know, I look at that every year and kind of go, okay, 
is this movie the movie I thought it was? And it's it's crazy how much that list changes. Yeah, you know, I, it is it's crazy. crazy that, you know, maybe it's because you keep a list, but I cannot remember the movies that I've even seen. Like, my husband Justin was talking about a movie, and I was like, oh, I don't, I haven't seen that movie. And he said, Yeah, we watched it together. <laughs> I don't remember it. And he described the day to me, and he described the dinner we had beforehand, and I just don't even remember that I've seen this movie. And so maybe I should start keeping a list. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's but see that goes along with your personality and the way that that you watch things is you experience them in the moment and then once and their done. moment is over, you're done with them. That's a perfect example because uh, my my and Justin was like, hey, let's Frozen's out. Um, I'm gonna buy it so we can watch it. I was like, I don't want to watch it. He's like, today you love that movie, and I was like, yeah, but I don't need to watch it again. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. <laughs> I guarantee you there are other people like that. I don't know that that's the norm, but I guarantee you there are other people that do the same thing. Well, you know, Siskel and Ebert used to talk about uh, uh, just how detriment, detrimental bad movies are and how unfair really, really bad movies are because they waste two hours of somebody's life, and um, and 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 life life is life is precious. And those of us that love movies are going to watch our favorite movies over and over and over again. But there's other things in life. There's other stuff to do. And so, so like, not everyone has to be a movie buff. I think sometimes. Uh, especially in the day and age we're in right now, uh, with with technology, um, some of us that like movies get, get it get this weird fanboyish thing in our heads that if you watch movies, you must be an expert in movies, and that's not fair. People ought to be able to sit down, just as you're talking about today, and enjoy something and then walk away from it. Now, I'm an advocate for really for really thinking about your your uh, your your viewing experience and really and really thinking about movies and letting letting them resonate if they're going to or understand. And why they didn't that sort of thing, but I, I'm not I'm not an advocate of turn your brain off. But at the same time, um, I think you ought to be able to uh, go into an entertainment and leave and do and do something else. I don't think you have to be um, I, I I don't think you have to be an enthusiast for 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 everything that you're um, kind of casually into. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, one final question, then we need to, to move on to our next segment. But I will ask this. This t seems to be the typical case, and this can be as simple as a yes or no if you're this way. If you have high expectations for a movie, a lot of times you're going to come away, uh, you can come away a little bit disappointed. If you have very low expectations for a movie, a lot of times you can come away very pleased. Uh, that is not that is not down the, the row, you know, down the... Um, it's not like true the for line. everything, right? Yeah, but in general, do you find that to be the case with you know your expectations going into a movie? Absolutely. Same. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what makes it even more special when a movie that you have huge expectations for meets or exceeds them. You know, right. that's that's what makes that event you know even a little more special. I think so. Uh, I wanted to mention that. All right, let's move on to a new segment we're going to do. This will be very quick. We call it Snap Judgment. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick look at something, and we're going to make a judgment call on it based on no information. Uh, other than... I do this all the time. I do this all the time. Uh, and that's why it'll be quick. I'm always telling people not to do this. This is so fun. Why are we doing this? <laughs> because of me. Oh, man. Anyway, sorry. I'm this sorry, was today's Kevin. idea, and uh, she saw a trailer for the TV show. It's actually been on a couple weeks now, um, but when she saw it, it hadn't aired yet, and none of us have watched it. None of us have watched a minute of this, right? No. I haven't. No. I saw a trailer. 
it. Other than the trailer. So she watched the trailer for a TV show uh, called Resurrection. So we all decided to watch this trailer and then decide if this is going to be a good show or not, solely based on the trailer, our thoughts. Danae, it's your baby. You go first. I do this all the time. And it's weird because I think maybe I have like a superpower or something because I'll see a trailer and I'm like, that is not going to make it. And it doesn't. I think I should be more careful with my superpower. So <laughs> <laughs> I, when I saw it, I was actually really disgusted by this. Um, and I don't know if it's... Um, I'll just say what disgusted me about it and then we'll just move on. I think it's horrible for all of the people who have experienced lost loved ones and missing children and missing people in their lives to be like exposed to something that is, you know, bringing back this sort of horrible time in their life. Um, this there's no closure. Uh, there's oftentimes no rhyme or reason for it. And there's a show that appears to be, and again, snap judgment appears to be based on um, just them reappearing and like opening up these old wounds. So I would never watch this show because I don't know that I would be okay with going into it with the I would want I would expect that to make this work you would have to really be careful with understanding how um, how much their heart needs to be healed through whatever they're doing with a storyline and not just leave even worse wounds so I'm not gonna commit to this because I'm I'm really I'm afraid that I'll get even more upset if they don't really hit this out of the park so that's I, that's why I wanted to kind of talk about it because I, I I felt really gross about it anyway. Cap snap judgment resurrection. Wow, that's really interesting, Danae. Uh, this is not a new premise. I, I've I've seen I've seen this kind of premise done lots of times. Uh, Forty-four hundred. I, I was reminded of. Um, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of horror movies. A lot of things like that about um, somebody who's been missing for a really long time. What happened to them? Where did they go? Um, X Files did a lot of stuff like this because uh, because of um, be, because of uh, alien abductions and stuff like that. Um, I thought it looked kind of interesting. Um, like I like like I said, it it didn't. It, it didn't seem new or fresh at all to me. It's not going to make it. Um, I, yeah, I don't think it's going like, to make like, it either. I'll give it, I'll give it that. I'll, I'll give it that judgment call right now. Um, but part of that's because I, I I know what the I know what the viewership was first week now. But but um <laughs> like like uh like it was it was only ordered for eight episodes and um I I really doubt it gets renewed. Um so yeah this is one of those things. It's going to be like Journeyman where like yeah. it's going to it's going to be it's going to be on and it's going to be going to be done. But um I'll I'll disagree with you. Um I kind of want to see it. I kind of I I kind of thought it looked potentially like like a like a like a decent supernatural drama. And um you know it all hinges on where those people were obviously. Um I don't think that they're that, that they're um that they're really uh, you know you know un, unfairly um playing with people's emotions or anything like that. I think that um you know you know I uh, in, in a in a world where anything is possible, um, and 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 this happened, how how would how would people deal with it? How how would you know? You know what I mean? There, there are so many stories about somebody uh, is is uh, somebody you thought was gone shows up and it turns out that they like are um, that, that they're immortal or that they know or, or that they don't age. Uh, these kind of ageless sorts of stories. Um, and I don't know. I gravitate toward that kind of thing. Um, but also, it doesn't look that fresh to me. So. I would say it does play on emotion because if you're listening to the songs, you know, it's like, I'm coming home, I'm coming right. home. I'm just sure. like, you know, it's just really trying to tug on that part of like returning home. So well, I would sure. I, 
it obviously plays on emotion. I mean, all, most great stories play on emotion. You know. Right. No, I just mean that I don't think that it's. I don't think it's doing it in like an unfair sort. I, I guess I, I don't really understand what's bothering you about it. But ah, it really tweaks me. It's weird, right? Okay. I can. T- I, I can tell you, it comes from uh, a sensitivity towards an empathy for people who might be watching who have yeah. gone through that loss and just going, what are you doing to my real story? The problem right. with that, Danae, is, and I'll, I'll back cap up on this a little bit, is every story has an element of that. Yeah. Everybody's gone through something. You know, There are entire TV series on missing children uh, before this one. Um, uh, what was the show that I watched for a while? I can't remember. And there's, there's shows on serial killers. There's shows on you know all these right. things that real people have dealt with in real life. And you know what? For those people... They probably shouldn't watch the show. It's going to bring up too much, you know. Or maybe there's some sort of catharsis there. I don't know. Everybody's different. Yeah. But um, but I can see that. Like that empathy kicks in, and you're just like, ah, oh, I can't imagine if this had happened to me, and there was a show like this. Right. So I get right. that. I get where that comes from. Fair well. Uh, sensitive to different sorts of things, you know. Right. Like, 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 like I have a hard time with movies where with movies and TV shows where where like where like uh, you, you know children are in really really awful danger or like right. or getting mutilated or whatever. You know, I have a tough time with that. So you know, we have all our sensitivities. <clears throat> as far as my snap judgment on the show from watching the trailer, um, I like Cap was a little bit interested, but then again, I'm a high concept person. I love a show that has a good concept. And there is something interesting about the element of this that it's been 15 years and there's still seven. You know, like, okay, so what happened? You know, what happened that they haven't aged, that, they, that things haven't changed since they were gone? My problem with a show like this and the reason I think it's not getting good ratings and the reason I would, would say it, it wouldn't survive is people are hip to the fact that these shows that ask big questions nine times out of ten do not give a chance to get get a chance to give you the big answers. That's right. right. And that is a major flaw with television right now is they is the way it's done especially in America. In England it's a little bit different, but the way it's done here is shows that want to ask big questions, they still want them to stick around for at least 6 or 7 years so they can get syndicated, you know, and and those kind of things. And some of these stories should just be 8 episodes. Should be completely designed and finished and complete. There's a beautiful, you know, a miniseries. We would call that a miniseries. In England, they would call it a TV show. Yeah. But here, you know, we have a certain categorization for it. Right. And you know, there was a, a beautiful. That's what Netflix is for now. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. There's a. Uh, it's. I can't believe it just slipped my mind. It's one of my favorite miniseries. Um, uh, it has the objects that all have different powers. The different objects. It came out several years ago. Ah, it's killing me. Um. Anyways, it's phenomenal, but it was three two-hour episodes, and it was done, and it was beautiful, and it came to a resolution, and it had an end, and I wish I could give you the name so you could look it up. It's on, it's on Netflix, I think, but, um, but anyway, maybe I'll put, it, I'll put it in the comments, or at least the, you know, the notes once I... Once as I, soon as you remember it, as, as soon as we're done well, with the hang out, I'll look it up. I mean, it. I guess I have Google, but I'm talking, and I don't want to Google while I was talking. You should um, Google talk. Do that's it. That's a whole different thing. Google Talk is a whole different thing. Oh, no. Oh, that's it. Can I give you, Aaron, can I give an interesting example about that? Sure. You've, got, you've got the original V miniseries, which was a one-and-done story, and then you had a TV show based on that miniseries that got canceled prematurely. <laughs> that's right. That's a good point. That's a very valid point. So, anyways, that's my snap judgment um, on Resurrection. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sick of network TV that just, you know... Wants to ask these big questions, but doesn't have the. It can't give you the guarantee that it will give big answers, and so people don't want to invest in it. 
and that's just it's been it's, ruined by Lost. I mean, that's ruined. really where a lot of this comes from. Ruined. You know, we've got it, and I love that show, but it's like it's it's like since that was successful, we are still to this day trying to put out these shows where the whole thing is about a big mystery that we're not going to know until the end, and. It's a bad model, especially considering that the show that started that model, most people were not real happy with what the resolution was. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our last topic. We all saw Muppets Most Wanted. Let's review it. What did we think about it? Cap, you get to start us off. What did you think Captain about Muppets Logan. Most Wanted? Okay, well, uh, I really enjoyed Muppets Most Wanted. It's not as good as The Muppets. Uh, that's somewhat to be expected. It's also awkward because the movie knows it's not as good, talks about the fact that it's probably not going to be as good, and uh, I, I think I, the, the more I thought about this, I think maybe they uh, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit by being that meta about it, um, because I kind of feel like it's it's got a framework and a, and a it's got a premise that's that's funny um, that that's 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 an amusing idea the switcheroo with an evil frog that takes that takes uh, Kermit's place uh, but the problem is the first movie had so much heart and, and it's impossible not to compare them because it, it kind of wants you to um, they they could have just made another Muppets movie there's really no comparison between the between the uh, the Muppet movie and the one that came after it um, uh, 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 Muppet um, Great Muppet caper, um, but like, but like this one, they they are comparable because it comes right after it, and they're they're comparing it within the movie. So the thing is, um, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm watching this movie, and I'm remembering all of the kind of heart and soul and the very cohesive story we had in the first movie. And with this one, I kind of feel like we have sort of a cookie cutter framework just to make a bunch of jokes happen, and it's not a real um, it's not a real pointed or uh, story with with a lot of uh, like 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 we had with the first one, um, the the the, uh, the the story just isn't doesn't have enough of a direction. It kind of goes off in too many different directions for me. Um, so I don't know. I felt like the script needed tightening. Um, when it was funny, it was really really funny, and when it wasn't, um, it was uh, it was kind of groaner. Um, inducing, but um, ultimately I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I saw it. And weirdly, and I said this in my review. It needed more songs. I've never said that about a musical. It actually didn't have enough songs. That's so weird. I totally disagree with that, but that's really? that's interesting okay. that you... I, I right. thought it was over-songed myself. Wow, okay. But... I didn't feel like it had enough songs. To be like, like, I don't know. They didn't come on very often. I was kind of... Or at least that was my experience with it. Interesting, interesting. Danae, why don't you go ahead? I uh, agree with almost everything you said, Captain. I thought that the storyline was a little bit weaker this time, and I don't know that I, could they have avoided it. Did they draw attention to that fact with those self-made jokes? I don't know. Um, I think that there was so much going on. You had all these different characters that you were following. You had Miss Piggy. You had Kermit. You had um, Constantine. You had the Interpol and you know police. And then you had or CIA or whatever. With the yep, CIA? You got it. CIA, CIA and Interpol. And then you had, you know, the uh, Siberia, and then you had it just there was a lot going on, and so I felt like you're moving from scene to scene to scene, scene to scene to scene, and um, some of it was, you know, you just never really could really sink into that. I didn't. I mean, this is a Muppet movie. I will. It's a Muppet movie. I love Muppets. I love. I love puppets. I love puppets and Muppets. So I had a good time, 
watching this yeah. movie. Yeah, that's exactly what I had. Um, and there were some, but I found myself like, kind of like, oh, I'm watching a kids flick instead of, oh, I'm watching something that is engaging my mind. And is that because I just came off of the Lego Movie and Frozen? Maybe, like maybe they just, I mean, they're they're that's a tough act to follow. I mean, following the Lego Movie, and I don't know if there's any kids movie that's gonna really grab my attention too much, except for that I love the Muppets, and I it's a very nostalgic. Uh, show for me, and I and that's the, what I liked about the first show so much. It was about really bringing back these beloved characters and getting behind a mission, and, and it made fun of itself at the very end because they never got their goal, and that, that was fun. And when this movie picks up right after that, you're like, oh, here we go. You know, the adventure continues. Um, a couple of things that really failed for me that were distracting were the bad guys. I, I don't know who that dude is that's Mr. Bad Guy. I don't know where he's popular. I don't know where he's from. I don't know what he's in. I I don't know this guy. But you're talking about Ricky Gervais. I did not relate to him at all. I didn't think he was funny. I didn't think, um, you know, I thought his number where he was singing was really, where he was singing with Constantine could have been. There's a couple songs that really missed it for me. They were just sort of like, we're gonna make this into a song, and it was awkward. Um, including the other bad guy being Tina Fey's character. Her song was just also really struggled for me. So there's a couple things that pulled me out of the movie and I was like, I am in a movie theater and I'm watching The Muppets and I'm doing that because I'm going to see Critic, the Geek, and the Girl and I blah, 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 you know. <laughs> and then I get sucked back in and, and enjoy myself for a minute. But I think overall I would um, recommend seeing this one, you know, in your home theater with your kids. This is really interesting because because we're all going to say exa- have exactly the same result, <gasps> which is which is I really, you know, I enjoyed this movie. I had a good enough time, not as good as the first. We're all going to yeah. end up right there. But I, like, I vehemently disagree with each of you on one thing. What's that? <laughs> At least one thing. Um, Cap, I disagree with you on the songs. Um, I thought there were... Uh, too many songs, and like Danae said, I thought some of them just didn't work at all. The Tina Fey one's a great example. I did not, like, I just tuned out during that song. I, I couldn't get into the humor of it. I, I didn't understand. Maybe what happened for me was that there were songs that I forgot were songs. Because there, you know, there were a couple places where I'm like, this should just be dialogue. Why are we singing? Yeah, yeah she was, um, that was more of a dialogue song. It was weird. Yeah, hey, Aaron, did you think, let me ask you this real quick. I don't mean to interrupt, but did, did you think, that that the uh, that that the the song um when when they were uh oh, what what what's the, the interrogation song did you think that that worked I wasn't sure about it. Um, interestingly enough, I, I'll tell you this. I'll say this now since we're talking about the songs. The songs, and I mean all of them, every last one. And I don't know what this says, but to me, every last song worked probably ten times better in listening to the soundtrack than it did in watching the movie. Yeah. Now, that's that's an interesting thing, because you mentioned that song, and that was another one in the movie I was like, ah, I don't I don't get this. And then I heard it on the soundtrack, I was like, that's kind of funny. That's really funny. I liked funny. that song in the theater, but it was, you know, it, again, I think the pacing was weird on the, because it goes from one thing to the next so quickly, and all of a sudden you're in this fast-paced interrogation song, and I, I thought that was well, really Well, it's the way they do a montage, which is a Muppets thing. I mean, nearly right. every Muppet movie does a montage through a song like that, uh, but they're not usually... They're not usually like like being so plotty during a song, but then again, I like musicals where the music where there was actually story happening during the music, so I can't really. Well, but but that's the problem I think with it, and the reason it works better in the soundtrack than in the movie is was uh, Jermaine Clement I think is the guy who does the music. He's um uh, from New Zealand. He he did uh, oh uh, I'm 
so bad with memory today, but he does hilarious songs as a part of his group. He has this, this duo from New Zealand that he's in, and they do great stuff. Flight of the Concords? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords, okay? So, so Flight of the Concords, their stuff, though, is, is often random and silly and, you know, not really tied into any kind of story. It's just funny. And I think it just doesn't translate to trying to tell story in those kind of songs sometimes. They're just too silly. And so I think that might have something to do with why it works as a soundtrack, because you can kind of you know, pick up on the silly humor and it just exists as its own thing, whereas in the story you're trying to tie it to the plot and how it moves and you know, all those kind of things, and I, I don't think it works as well. Um, what did you disagree with me? Okay, well, let's go there. Uh, I want to I loved Ricky Gervais in this. I, I thought he was great. Oh my what, Cap, what did you say? I, I, I agree with you. I thought he was fine. Um, so Ricky Gervais, uh, who is, you know, really came on the scene with the original office in England, um, I, his sense of humor I thought fit perfectly into this world. And I loved the fact that what you didn't like, Danae, when you saw his song was how, you know, it didn't seem to work for you. I loved how willing he was to be uncoordinated and silly in that and he you know not take himself seriously because we haven't really seen that from him in his oh. different things at least what I've seen and terrible. I thought that was you know I thought he was a really good sport and I actually enjoyed that was one of the songs I did enjoy number one number two yeah, like um, it didn't uh, pay off it might be complete no. with that there, and there's a lot of stuff like that Aaron where like there, there's no payoff um, what is with the, this is such a cool idea what is with having Constantine have stage fright and then they just drop it. Nothing is ever done with that. Oh, right? I didn't even think of that until right now. You're so right. That they was just such a cool idea. Hanging. Yeah, and it, and it, like it, it, it's such a great parallel between him and Kermit, and like 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 Kermit is trying to like like uh, like like find his um, uh, uh, you know you know sense of confidence again. Okay, and, okay. Uh, yeah, like, what? Where was that? And what about this weird sort of Tina Fey in love with Kermit? That was weird. It, it, it came out of nowhere and it came too that far. That was so weird. They should, have given us, they should have given us that within the first act. Uh, like she needs to be registered with some sort of like Muppet offenders list. It well, was no, I, weird. Think, I thought that was hilarious, but it came too late in the game. We needed that a lot earlier. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like okay, why is she doing these? Like, what is she, what is she doing with Kermit? Like, what is she doing towards Kermit? Why is she emoting towards Kermit? And then all of a sudden, there's like this locker full of Kermit, and and at the very end, you know, she like releases Kermit and. It just that didn't pay out either. So I think there was a lot that was forced in this. But. Although I will say, I will say that stage fright scene, like the one scene where it's mentioned, was one of the funniest moments of the entire movie, in right. my opinion. That was so funny. When well, that's uh, why I was so disappointed. I thought it was a brilliant idea. Oh yeah, when the when the big Muppets like dragging the little Kermit off the stage, <laughs> that was so good. I have to show this to you guys. This is this is a book that I have, and it's the original Muppets book. And it's got all these really cool, like, drawings and stuff in it. And oh, it has, cool. like, has, like, their whole show mapped out so you can see all their stuff. Wow. How long have you had that? Um, I've had this for probably about 12 years. And, look, like, look at the very beginning. It, like, shows their whole show as they all come marching out. That's awesome. So it's the Muppet Show book. Oh, and I loved that. I loved the Spanish version of the theme song, too. I yeah, thought that, that was, was so great. cool. Was and the Russian version, that was awesome. Bad timing for Russian jokes, though, right? Yeah. 
Kind, kind of, yeah. But that, that's the thing is that like there's a lot of there's a lot of funny things individually, but then the greater whole isn't. Yeah, it's not. It's not this great. Is, not uh, this is from 1978. Aaron, did you feel like the Muppets themselves were a little bit underutilized? Um, okay, so I have a couple thoughts on that. I think yes. I didn't. I wouldn't have worded it that way until you said that. But I think I think yes, that's there. I think cameos were overutilized. I think they took the cameo thing about uh, 10 degrees too far in this one. Some of them, like Zach Galifianakis towards the end, didn't even do anything. I mean, there wasn't even a funny line. He didn't even say anything funny. They just showed him in a theater seat. Like, it was, like, I, I was just like, there were so many cameos in this that, and I know that's one of their things, but I, you just, it dominated but, the movie. It was Austin Powers level. Yeah. Yeah, it was awkward a little bit. I think they could have done, um, like, if maybe the plot line would have been about building up their show and, and building celebrity appearances and having people come in and showing shticks with them and jokes with them and, you know, engaging. Because the Muppet Show was about, you know, having them come on and doing funny things with them. Like we saw in the first one with Jack Black. You know, if they could have incorporated guest appearances somehow into the plot line where it was a, a, a involved around their show building up their audience... But well, you know, the, that ones, didn't the ones that did that were the ones that worked. I thought the Celine Dion one worked. That I thought was, that was really funny. good. Um, maybe it's just a singer thing I have, but I thought the Josh Groban one worked. Too. Yeah, that was also good. Yeah. So you know, the ones where they do incorporate it worked. It was just the ones where they're just like, hey, we can get this person for a day. What can we have them do? You know, yeah, that th those never felt like they worked. Yeah. Overall, though, I mean, it's I love seeing the Muppets and I love seeing them, you know, in in this era, and I think that. Um, it was good, clean fun. I, I think that a lot of kids could really enjoy it because there's nothing that you don't want them to see. It's really, it has a lot for all audiences in that it's nostalgic and it's kind of neat to see this next generation of the Muppets, you know, on screen doing their thing. And it's really cool to see Miss Piggy in the news. I mean, I saw her uh, like an article on Miss Piggy and her fashion sense. Like, I can't even remember going CNN or you know something like this. And so they're really incorporating these characters. You know, into this in this fun way, and I think that's really fun too. So, I, I like that. I uh, oh, sorry. go ahead. No, go oh, ahead. Oh, Ask the question. Well, well, I, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this. Um, I, I it, and this this might this might seem like kind of kind of an extreme notion. I think they're going the wrong direction with the Muppets. I think doing that first movie really brought them back into the limelight again and reminded everyone that that humor can work in our more kind of dark, cynical, driven society. They need to come back and do a TV show. Yeah, that's How what that's that what they, that's what they need to do because I, I think that they're kind of like they're they're kind of groping around now trying to figure out do it what on Netflix stories to tell. What they need to do is use that as a jump is use that first movie as a jumping off point to say that show could also still work now. Um and and uh, and and then try it see if they can make it work. Um, that's a great that's, idea. You that's what I would do. Quit trying to tell. I mean, you can still do movies if you want to, but quit primarily trying to tell traditional narratives and just do the Muppet Show. That'd be didn't awesome. They, didn't they try to relaunch the Muppet Show a few years ago? I don't no, know. late '90s. I mean, it's been so long now. That was that, that was Muppets Tonight. Like, it's been so long now. Yeah. If yeah, it was like right. an internet show or like through yeah, the website somehow. Yeah. And that's the thing is that the, well, well, they've done a lot of sketches before the new Muppet movie. And I think that's part of the reason that the new Muppet movie got made was that they had some some sketches that went viral and had millions of views and people loved them and they were really funny and uh, they were old school Muppet humor. Um, there was I, I I think that they've kind of proven that you could do that um, and maybe just do it on the internet. So I don't know. They, I, I think that's what they need to do. 
Yeah. Um, well, I, we need to close this up here soon, so I do want to kind of get into just a couple questions, uh, but I, I want to finish uh, my thoughts on the Muppets uh, with yeah. this, which is, <laughs> which is, Cap, I really resonated with the thing you said about the depth of this movie. For me, that is the main way it falls short of the first one, is there is no depth to it. There isn't a lot underneath the fun. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, they're operating under a, you know, it's a low level of difficulty. If they can just throw some jokes out there, they have the nostalgia, it's going to work for most people. And I just hate it when that, if that were to make them lazy enough not to put the extra effort into telling good stories. Because this, this one did not tell a good story. It didn't mean anything to me. The first one did. And, and like you said, Danae, maybe it's the Lego effect. You know, I mentioned that when I reviewed Mr. Peabody and Sherman, you know, that I probably gave it a lower review than it deserved because of the Lego effect. That movie is so incredible that, I, you know, the next one I see just doesn't feel that, that deep. But, um, but yeah, that, that was the main thing I resonated with and the main thing I took away is it just wasn't the same as the first in the heart. So, all right. Let's answer a couple questions. We'll start with uh, this one. It goes back to Star Wars 7 uh, from William who says, do you think they could kill off any of the original cast to make way for the next generation? Could we see Luke as a Force ghost in 8 and 9? Force ghost! Uh, Aaron, I bet you $50 that's precisely what they do. $50? Yeah. Yes. Wow, you know, I, are you going to take the bet? <gasps> no, I, I think I agree, so I, I don't want to take that bet. Oh, well, because you're not going to do it. I for sure am not. <laughs> <sighs> no, that's precisely what that's precisely where they'll go. And I mean, if you look at I uh, at that JJ Abrams track record, I mean, I know he's not writing the movie, but I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't have any any influence at all on the plot. Um, if you look at his track record, he likes to go to the familiar places that that uh, that the audience is going to applaud on because of their nostalgia. Um, they're they're going to mirror that first movie in myriad ways. You just watch. You watch it. You watch it, and you remember Captain said it first. I will be very surprised. No, I, I did not. A lot of people think that. Well, but, let's just pretend uh, that you said it. You said it first on Critic Geek and the Girl. I did. It's true. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's my that's what I think. All right. Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, Comics Kid says, so my friend and I are in an impasse. He wants oh, me to no. watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I don't really want to. I want him to watch Arrow, and he doesn't want to. I know Cap watches both shows, so which do you guys think is the better show? And then he says, show your work. All right, so the thing is, and I, th I thought I answered this at some point. Maybe I didn't. All right, so uh, the, the problem is Arrow is just a better show. Um, so, like, one one of you is getting kind of the, the raw end of the deal here. Um, now, I think S.H.I.E.L.D. is is really picking up. Uh, I think it's getting great, and I think that uh, what is unfair about this is that these, these two shows should not be compared, but we're all making the comparison in exactly, for exactly the same reason that we were, uh, made, that every, that so many people were making that comparison in 2012 between Dark Knight Rises and Avengers. Uh, they were the two big superhero movies, and they were two, and they were very, very different movies, and there were people who loved one and didn't love the other one, and no one would be comparing them if it weren't for the fact that they didn't come out at the same time. The difficulty with Arrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that Arrow was on a year before S.H.I.E.L.D. started, which means it had yeah. time to, 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 uh, to, to like find its footing and uh, to... to you know, really figure out what it what it was and and get it get an identity. Um, Agents of Shield has not had that opportunity, and so uh, they're they're being compared kind of unfairly. And frankly, I am doing it too. 
and it's not fair. And, 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 and I'm having difficult. I'm not comparing them because I'm. They're the two shows I'm watching. You know, they're the two big shows that I'm watching and reviewing. And um, I would like Shield more if Arrow never came out. And I'm aware of this. Uh, so that's that's the problem. So I don't know. Um, as as far as far as as far as your conundrum there, I would say that both shows really have their merit, and I think everybody really needs to give Shield um, more of a shot because uh, the last couple of episodes have been really quite fantastic, and I I, th- I think we're seeing um, it finally figuring out its identity. I would uh, agree with all of that except for the part where I haven't watched Arrow, yeah. so I I don't know right. about the comparison stuff, but I can tell you, Agents of Shield uh, did not hold my interest early on. It was I just. I didn't like it that much, and then I've stuck with it in the last couple episodes. Have started to regain that maybe there's something really interesting going on here with the. Uh, I think they you know, they brought in some Asgard stuff and some different stuff that you know I don't know. It just started to engage me a little bit more in that universe. Um, I would so. uh I would have to say that um, having watched neither of them, well, you asked me to show my work, so <laughs> as you can see, I drew the arrow over the shield. So I'm thinking Arrow is better than S.H.I.E.L.D. because it came first. Now this chart shows my knowledge of these shows, which started off down here about two minutes ago and slowly began to wind up. So I would have to say, showing my work, that uh, I'd go with Arrow. <laughs> That's great. Um, I really think that when it's all said and done, as long as Shield gets renewed and keeps going, and there's some question about that, but I, I think it, I think it gets renewed. Um, I think that down the road we're gonna look at the two shows as just two very, very different things that are not especially comparable. Very nice, very nice. Well, thank you guys as always. It's absolutely a pleasure to do this. We try to do it every other Monday at 2 p.m. Central. Uh, if you want to tune in live, as always, the Q and A. Uh, you can leave questions before the show starts, during the show, and you can go after the show and actually click on the questions and go to that part of the video where that question is answered. So uh, makes it kind of nice if you want to see something in particular that we talk about or hear us answer a question that you ask. Um, next one will probably happen here in a couple weeks. We'll let you know more information as we get closer. Uh, for The Geek at uh, wearegeeksnotnerds.com, right? Yes. In the Geek Solution YouTube. <laughs> and for the girl at DanaeHughes.com. Uh, I am the critic who you can check out at YourMovieFriend.com or on YouTube as Aaron Dicer. And thank you for watching. We'll catch you next time. Later. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.